Hey, Connect family, uh, PD here. I'm so happy that you're with us uh, for church today, church at home. Uh, we're having alternating weeks right now. So for some of you that are enjoying uh, this service for the first time, um, in the coming week, we have what's called city groups. And we're meeting at uh, locations around the state. And so if you're interested in a physical gathering, hey, go to our website, check that out. I also want to make uh, you aware of a couple important announcements. If you're part of our spiritual family, in the beginning of the year, we always go into a prayer and fasting period. And so there'll be some information on the bottom of the screen there just to kind of let you know the dates as it approaches. And there's some really pertinent information to help you on your spiritual journey regarding the fast. And uh, you can get that online as well. And lastly, one quick announcement because I can't wait to get into our new series. Uh, for those of you who are leading small groups, whether you be doing it physically uh, or virtually, if you are interested in being a leader, uh, please check out our opportunities for you to serve and get involved and be a leader in a small group this semester. We're kicking off our small groups really, really soon. So listen, uh, we're starting a new series today and I've entitled it God's Ways, W-A-Z-E. And I'll get into that in just a second, but I wanna read kind of our opening text for you from Psalm chapter 40. And we're gonna unpack this particular scripture from Psalm 40, verses one through eight. And here's what it says. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will sing in fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offering you have not required. Then I said this, and this is kind of key. He said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I can hear my daddy singing, I delight to do your will, O oh Lord, in my ear. I heard him see, sing that for so, so many years. Let me open with a word of prayer. Father God, as we get into the word and we unpack it and we kind of see how it applies to our life. I pray that your word would come alive to every person listening. Thank you that your word is alive. It's living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, it divides asunder soul from spirit, joints from marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Lord, give us discernment today as we uh, get into your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. It's interesting, that particular word, uh, the word is a discerner. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But as I open, let me just open with kind of this thought. You know, if, when you're driving somewhere, many of you have been going around seeing relatives over the holidays. You know, when you don't know where to go, what do we do today? Well, we don't pull out a road atlas. Uh, we, if we're men, we definitely don't pull over and ask for directions. Uh, what we typically do is we pull up an app. We do it on our car, either through our navigation system or our phone. And one of my favorite apps is the Waze app, W-A-Z-E. You know, what I love about the Waze app more than other apps is because you can use unique voices. Well, there's two reasons I like it. One, it tells you where the cops are. Come on, somebody, you know that's true. And then two, 
it, uh, it gives you these different voices. And so I, I, I often pick a female voice. I used to have Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, he would scare me to death, you know, when something was about to happen. So I, I took him out. But anyway, I use Waze, and it's awesome. And in short, it helps me determine the direction that I should go and how, I, and, how, and, 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 and how to get to the certain destination. Well, I want you to know something. God, God's will is like Waze. God's will is like Waze. There's a certain path, journey, um, there's a certain direction that he has for your life. He has for us. But you know this to be true. Most of us would say this is true, that one of the most difficult tasks in our life is learning how to determine, decide, I would say, discern the will of God for our lives. That's what we're going to talk about today. And fundamentally, that's what we're going to talk about in this series because as Christians, this is really difficult. And in 2021, you're going to have some very important decisions to make in your life. And you're going to have to think through certain aspects in your life that are complicated, complex in nature. And whether you're a teenager, whether you're a senior citizen, or whether you're somewhere in between, we all have difficult decisions that we need to make. And so here's kind of our overarching uh, big idea for this series, God's Ways. Here's a, here it is. It's really, really, really simple. We must learn to discern. We must learn to discern. Now, discernment, we'll unpack the definition of that a little further into the message, but it's not something that comes to us just, you know, by epiphany or just some kind of aha moment. It's not a natural occurrence. Instead, it's something we, we must learn and grow in. We must um, get better at as we go forward. And so in its simplest terms, this series is about and dedicated to how to discern the will of God, how to discern the will of God. And we're going to talk about a lot of different topics uh, related to this, some key and some critical to your lives. You know, uh, one of the things we'll talk about is what if I'm doing God's will, but it doesn't seem to work out the way I thought it was? What about that? We'll talk about that. What about this whole idea of where, where, uh, where's this idea of following your heart? Is that wrong? Is that is that right? What do we do about that? Uh, we're going to talk about the importance of collaboration in finding the will of God, you know, where I need you and you need me and, and we need him and all of that together, we find the will of God. And of course, we're going to talk about uh, prudence or wisdom in discovering the will of God so that we don't live in the subjective, but we find um, an objectivity, um, a wisdom in determining the will of God. And then when we discern the will of God, how do we get out of the boat? How do we go from discerning to deciding? And so I think this is going to be an exciting series. I think it's very relevant as we kick off 2021. If you believe that, say amen in the chat. And so um, <clears throat> I'm fighting a little cold, so bear with your pastor today. But as a pastor, I often think about the decisions that our church family has to make. I kind of not only preoccupy with my decisions, but as a shepherd, I think about the sheep. And I think about things that you think about, like, you know, should I go back to school, you know, um, in the spring semester? Should I take a different career path? These are the things I hear all the time. Should I, you know, work on my, you know, continuing ed? Should I relocate or should I stay kind of more local here? Should I be involved in this? Should I be involved in that? Should I be involved in this ministry or that ministry? Should I marry this man? Should I marry... That woman, the answer is no. No, I'm just kidding. Um, how many children should I have? You know, should it be this many or that many? Uh, should my aging parent, you know, come under our roof or should we help them find a home? Would that be better for them? Should I retire now? You know, or should I just keep on working? So we all, 
The point is have decisions to make. And I want you right now to think about the important decisions you need to make in 2021. And if you will do that, you will see that the important, you'll see the importance of discerning. How do I know what to do in regards to those big decisions? What decisions do you need the Lord's will and as a result, discernment in your life? Now, how we make these decisions is critical. You know, um, and, and we typically filter our decisions. There's kind of like three typical ways we filter decisions. Now, these are not comprehensive. These are just some big lanes for you. And one of the, one of the ways we filter decisions to make decisions, and you can see which one you fall into. Here's three for you. Write this down if you're taking notes. Um, we filter decisions. There are people who are always uh, discerning and never deciding. They're discerning and never deciding. In other words, you're always seeking God. You're always seeking uh, counsel, but you're never making a decision. You're, you're just always about discerning. And, and you're doing this for probably one of two reasons. One, you've never really been taught how to discern and decide. And so it's a lack of teaching. Two, you've had poor uh, uh, physical modeling. You, you, whatever, you, you didn't get the chance to observe it done well or done right. And so you have this deficiency when it comes to deciding. So you're discerning, but you're never deciding. The second thing that people do, a second filter is people who decide, but they don't discern. People who are deciders, but they don't discern. In other words, they're more reactive and more impulsive. They're shooting from the hip and there's some stress and there's some anxiety about it. And, and, and this is, you know, while the first group is more paralyzed, this group is more impulsive, more reactionary, and they just want to get it over with. And they don't take the time to discern. They don't take the time to filter and to process and to pray. But the third category, the third filter that I think is more appropriate is people who decide from a place of discernment. People who decide from a place of discernment. And so that's our goal as we go into 2021 and as we look at the decisions that are important to 2021, we need to decide from a place of discernment. And kind of an overarching um you know, umbrella for this whole thing that one of our church fathers said this. He said, God's will is peace. God's will is peace. And so in a sense, an umpire for whether the decision that you are discerning is from God or not is, do you have peace? Is there peace? Now we might need to define peace a little bit, but here's, here's one thing I know, and you can write this down too. You will never be more at peace than when you're in God's will. You'll never be more at peace than when you're in God's will. And so um, God wants you to have and know his plan for your life. And, but you're going to have to learn to discern. And you're going to have to, out of discernment, make certain decisions. So discernment um, needs some unpacking. Okay, It needs some uh, definition. Uh, discernment is to distinguish between things. It's to <clears throat> separate things according to their their nature, their, their various natures. And at the core of discerning is a choice. It's a choice, a career change, a job change. Uh, maybe it's something just ordinary even. At the, at the core of discerning is an intersection, is a certain choice. And so discernment, what it does is it brings what does God want to the forefront, to the windshield of your God's ways, you know, d direction. 
And and it's it's not, you know, it's it's not what does your mother-in-law want? It's not what does your boyfriend want? It doesn't, it's not what your appetite wants. It's what is God's will is comes to the forefront, and that's what discernment is there for. So when I talk about discernment, again, I'm not talking about differentiating, distinguishing between good and evil. Instead, I'm focusing more for you and for me on the challenge of having multiple options and needing to make a choice. Often those options are good options, but we need discernment, not so much to separate from good and evil, but to separate good from good or good from God's best. So in other words, sometimes things are good ideas, but are they God ideas? Can I have an amen out there? And so we're not discerning whether we should steal money or, you know, I heard one guy and he was, you know, telling me, you know, uh, pastor, I want you to pray for me. You know, I want to know whether I should pursue, you know, this romantic relationship with this woman or not. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to pray for you. What are we praying about? I, I just, you know, there's no discernment necessary. She's married and you're still, you're not divorced yet. You know, so some things don't require uh, a discernment when it comes down to morality or good versus evil. But it might be more like I had a conversation the other day with a leader in our church and he and his wife were at a phase of life where they're trying to decide how many kids to have. And one is in this kind of position, possibly more on the uh, decide before discerning. And the other one is more bent towards discerning, but never deciding. And so they have to kind of find this this middle ground. And discernment was definitely necessary, but there needed to be decisions made from prayerful discernment. And so there are some important components or ingredients, you could say, uh, to this subject of discernment. I heard this guy, his name is Timothy Gallagher, and uh, he's an author. And he said this about discernment. And this is for the most part, okay, these are generalizations. He said, all the options in discernment, for the most part, before us are good. Um, it's often, uh, uh, discernment is needed when options are good. Discernment is needed uh, when it's a choice of some significance. Discernment is needed if it's a choice of some significance. Discernment is also needed um, when the person is free to choose other or either option. And in other words, it's not discernment when a child comes to you and says, Daddy, you know, I'm discerning whether I should go to school tomorrow or not. Dad's like, no, there's nothing to decide. You're going to school. That's just the way it is. There's no discernment necessary with that. No, these are good things. There are some significance and you have freedom to choose. That's where we need prayerful discernment. Are you guys following me out there? And so when we, and this is so critical for the rest of the series as we begin to unpack these other subjects. So I'm kind of laying a foundation, a little framework that will work inside when we unpack some of these more particular subjects. But when we make decisions, often you and I, by default, make decisions in one of four ways, or sometimes we, we dabble into all of these. One of the ways that we make decisions is not by discernment, it's by pros and cons. Pros and cons. In other words, we look and we just say, if there's more pros than, there's con, than there are cons, go with that. It's more of a practical uh, solution. It's more of a, is it feasible or not? And this is good, but this is not, listen, this is not the primary way to discover God's will for your life by filtering things or making decisions through pros and cons. In other words, you can have a lot of great reasons to do something, but it might not be the something God wanted you to do. 
And so we'll get to that a little bit more later. Here's another way that we make decisions, very common, you and I do this. We do it by how we feel. We do it by how we feel. In other words, if it feels good, then yes. If it feels bad, then no. And truth be told, uh, feelings is an aspect of discernment. But just like pros and cons, it's only an aspect of discernment. And so we have to be careful that it's, it's not the beginning and end of our deciding process. And then a third way that I don't know how to describe this one is a little choppy, but we have kind of a Ouija board relationship with the word of God. We have this, you know, we kind of like shake it, you know, and then just drop it and then stick our finger on a verse and go, yeah, what does it say? What does it say? That must be God. And, and, and if, and if, it, if, it, if, it, if it looks good, that must be God's will. If it looks bad, then it, maybe it's not God's will. And, and, and we'll try again, perhaps. And it's not a good approach to do that. It's very random. I heard uh, this famous preacher story of this person who was trying to determine the will of God for his life. And so he opened up the Bible and it landed in a certain verse. He put his finger there and it said, you know, Judas hanged himself. He's like, oh my gosh, that can't be God's will. He closed the Bible. He dropped it again, put his finger, and the next verse said, go and do likewise. <laughs> no, that's not how we do that. So you could have this Ouija board relationship with the word of God. You could be feelings oriented. You could have this pros and cons. And then lastly, I think a lot of us kind of throw this fleece thing out to God. It's kind of a fleece thing. And this is more OT, Old Testament, kind of book of Judges. Uh, we see this in the life of Gideon, uh, you know, kind of putting this fleece out there. And if, if, it's, if it's got dew on it, if it's wet, then this means this. And if it doesn't, then it means that. And I think we do that with God. Sometimes we pose questions at God. Are we, are we, are we give him a, here's an option for you. Can you work inside this option for me? And, and we, we fleece it out with God. And, and these and or some derivative of these methods are the ways we typically make decisions, but what we need is prayerful discernment of what we should do or what we should not do. We need God's ways in this situation. And so I want to lay down some critical theological truths here, and then I'm going to unpack something that I think is the nerve of this subject, of, dis of discerning the will of God uh, for your life. And so discernment is important. Here's some theological, critical theological facts from God's word. Discernment is important, number one, because God wants to lead you to know and find his will. God wants you to know his will. God wants you to find the plan of God for your life. He's not holding out on you. He's not like keeping this thing, you know, just hidden in secret from you. Now, if you remember the Christmas story that we just celebrated, you know, God led the Magi to Christ, right? He led, God wants to lead us to Christ. God wants to lead us to Christ's plan for our life. So that's the first thing. Number two, God teaches you two things. He teaches you to pray and do God's will. I want you to get those two uh, distinctions, pray and do. So he teaches us to pray, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a core Christian prayer with an action step, which we'll get to that a little bit later too. And then number uh, three, uh, you're made, this is a theological reality regarding uh, God's will for your life, is you're made to have a communion of wills, yours with God. You're made to have 
uh, uh, an intersection, a relationship, an exchange, a communion of wills between you and God. And there's something amazing about this process where you and God, you know, it's just like God in Gethsemane, Jesus in Gethsemane surrendering his will to God. There was this exchange. God, you know, I think this, but, you know, if nevertheless your will be done, there was because of relationship, there was the ability to kind of come to that one mind agreement. And then lastly, I think this is a big one. And this is big as, as we go into 2020, a theological truth. Discernment grows up, grows you up spiritually. Discernment matures you. And so it's, it's, discernment helps you move from infancy to, to adolescence to adulthood spiritually because discernment requires something of you. It requires that you pray. It requires that you, that you read God's word. It requires that you open yourself up to counsel and get an objective perspective. But most of the time, if we're honest, we want some microwavable uh, discernment process. We want it to be, you know, instant rice. I was asking my wife, how do you make instant rice the other day? I know it's embarrassing, but, you know, uh, I, I really never do it. And so, because I wanted to do it fast. And we want answers fast. We want answers and solutions and direction. And we want it now. We actually want it. We want it right now. But that doesn't grow us up. That doesn't uh, teach us. That doesn't teach us what? It doesn't teach us dependence on God. Another core characteristic of the Christian experience. So to, to determine or to discern uh, God's will for your life, you need uh, these, these foundations. And Psalm 40, which I opened up with, which you might have not captured at all, it gives us a tremendous foundation for discerning uh, the will of God. And basically in verses 1 through 7, we see this foundation. And then verse 8, we see the response from the psalmist. And so the, the response was, verse 8, I delight to do your will. Now I'm going to get into some of the meat and potatoes of this message here that I think is going to hit some nerves for people. Let me, if, if I was to give you a big idea for today, the big idea for the series was we have to learn to discern. But the big idea for today's message is before we can discern God's will, we need to delight in his will. We need to delight in his will. Karl Barth, a great theologian said, how can God give us an answer when we are still well supplied with all sorts of answers on our own? In other words, how do we delight in God's will? And this is so important for us in the times that we are in. And so verses 1 through 7, uh, the psalmist David brags about God. And he wants the world to know how great God is and, and, and how, you know, in light of who God is and, and in light of what God has done, he says, I delight to do your will, O God. Notice he doesn't say, my delight is to think about your will. He doesn't say, my delight is to consider your will. He says, my delight is to do your will, that your will be done. And so we must first focus on this word delight. In other words, <clears throat> David is saying, delighting in the word of God, the will of God is a joy for me. It's a joy for me. Now, many of us don't see God's will as a delight, that's the problem. We don't see God's will as uh, a joy. In fact, in my early Christian experience, um, and, and, and I could use examples that are current as well, uh, if, I, if I was honest, if I was, conf 
you know, confessed, you know, honestly, uh, I didn't want to fully surrender to the will of God for different reasons because of different perceptions that I had. I was under the notion, the idea that if I totally surrender to God's will, that he's going to send me off to some third world country. I'm going to live in a mud hut. I'm going to be battling mosquitoes the rest of my life. You know, I, I'm going to have to bathe in some dirty river and and I just didn't want to surrender because I thought that's what God's will would mean he would make me do. And I can remember one time, pray, you know, praying, you know, about a relationship that I was struggling with. And I wanted it to work out. I wanted me and this girl thing to work out. And I went to a mentor and I said, hey, could you pray for me? Uh, or what should I pray? You know, how do I approach God with this, this, this struggling relationship? And, and the mentor said, just pray, Lord, let your will be done in this relationship. And when I heard that, I was like, no, no. I, I was like kind of depressed even thinking about that. And I'm not going to pray that. And, and so I had trouble with this kind of for two reasons. And I think you could have different reasons, but I came from kind of a hyper-faith environment. So when we heard, pray, Lord, let your will be done, it was that particular phrase was used, um, you know, as sort of, it was sort of a way to cancel out what we had already prayed. It was kind of a, an add-on. And if you really believed God was going to do something um, or could do something, you wouldn't put that sort of footnote at the end of a prayer. It meant, you re it meant and revealed you had a lack of faith. Lord, let your will be done. So I always had a trigger about that phrase, but more than that. The second reason that <clears throat> I didn't like that phrase was because at the core, I didn't trust God with everything. Bam. Yeah, more specifically, I didn't trust that God's will for me was good. This is huge. And you may think, no, I don't think that. I don't believe that. But did, let me put it like this. Did I trust God holds the whole world together? 100%. Did I trust he had my eternity secure? 100%. Did I trust him with my relationships with the opposite sex? No way. No way if I was honest. And that is... If that's you, in some way, shape, or form, put in your own contrasts is very revealing. And here's why. Because at the core of finding the ways, the will of God, the path of God, the journey of God for your life, the, 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 you know, what he wants you to do in this situation, you have to ask this question. Answer this question, excuse me. Do I believe that God's will for me is good? Categorically, across the board, universally, unilaterally, because... At the core of this is a fundamental challenge that we have. If we don't get this thing right, we won't get the rest of it right either, is what is your view? Do you have the right view or image of God? Because no matter what techniques you could employ, no matter what kind of biblical methods that you could use, you won't find, you won't discern God's will if you have a poor view of who, who, of who, <laughs> who God is. So the core of discernment is this. Our image of God needs to be healed. How do I delight in God's will? If our image of God is healed. Okay, if honest, many of you, and maybe even all of us at some level, have bad images, a bad view of God in some way. There are these uh, narratives that we have told each other there's this author, James Ryan Smith, he wrote this book, and I can't remember the name of it, but he, 
he talks about these false narratives, these stories in essence that we tell ourselves. You could call them scripts, internal scripts. And he leads us to consider that these images, these narratives, these stories are creating problems for us in the discernment process. So phrases like, God wants me to try harder. God blesses me when I do good. He punishes me when I do bad. God is angry. God is disappointed with me. God wants me to suffer for my sin. God doesn't want me to be happy. He wants me to be holy. And if these narratives exist in your view and in your image and in, as a result, your relationship, because your view and your image determines your relationship, then it's affecting your ability to discern the will of God for your life. And so uh, think about it. If it does, why would you follow God's will? If those narratives are there and they are negative, why would you follow God's will? Why would you want to delight in doing God's will? And so I would just say this, praise the Lord. This is not the image that God the Father uh, you know, gave to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ reveals and shows us what God is like. We talked a lot about this in the last series, and he is the full physical representation and embodiment of who God is. He shows us his characteristics. He shows us his personality. He shows us, you know, the way he really, really is. And so God shows us what he's like through his son. And if you observe him in the gospels, and if you observe him and how he walks and talks and how he interacts with the people, you'll see that he is merciful. You'll see that there is a tenderness, that there's a compassion, that there is forgiveness, that there's a person who's always for the underdog and the unseen. And so God doesn't want you to try harder. No, he wants you to rest in his love. God doesn't want you to feel like, well, you know, I'm blessed if you're doing good and punished if you do bad. <clears throat> no, he wants you to he wants you to know that the the rain falls on the 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 just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. God isn't angry with me. No, God is in love with you. God isn't disappointed in you. He claims you as his own. God doesn't want you to suffer for your sins. God actually took the consequences of your sin upon himself on your behalf. God uh, doesn't want you to be happy. No, of course he does. God wants you to be with him forever in total happiness, in eternity. So this is what God showed us through his son. And so if we see the father, God, through the um, image of the son, we get to see as a result that God is good, that he is reliable, that he is faithful, that he is trustworthy. And, and, and why is this important? Because if this is true, God can be trusted and a lot of times we just because of our image of God we don't trust God's will for our life and so the truth is in the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end God's will can be trusted and that's what the psalmist does in verses 1 through 7 and I'll just kind of paraphrase this you know he's like um, you hear me when I cry out to you you pull me up from the pit out of the miry bog you set my feet on a rock you make my steps secure you put a new song on my mouth you know, people are afraid. I don't have to be. I can. I trust in you. I put my trust in you. I'm blessed. Uh, you, you know, you, you take you take care of people that are they've gone astray. Uh, you do it on these wondrous things. No one can compare to you. And I'm going to tell everybody about them. And then he just says, in so many words, after he lays this wonderful foundation that God is the one who delivers me, that God is the one who loves me, that God is the one who protects me, that God is the one who's done so many good things for me. He says in verse eight. Um, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. He's saying, 
that I trust God, I trust God completely, I trust His power to save me, to take care of me, that His mercy is for me, that His forgiveness is for me, that His Spirit leads me, that He can be trusted, that He's reliable, and so I delight to do your will. My fundamental job, you know, as a pastor, as I think about this message and many that I've done before, is to present the appropriate and accurate image of God to you. And, and I believe it is fully expressed through Jesus Christ. It is fully and perfectly expressed through Jesus Christ. And so if you want to know what God is like, look no further. Look to Jesus. The same is true for me as a parent. I need to you know, help people see and get appropriate image of who God is. And so I, introduce, I have to introduce my children to Jesus. The same is true for me as a Christian to the world. I have to introduce people to who Jesus is. I heard a great pastor say this, a great orator, actually. And he introduced my, my kids have this ritual with their, with their kids where they, at night before bed, they have their, their nightly affirmations. And they have this, this, these things they, they go through that they say, I am loved, I'm a leader, I'm a follower of Christ. It's awesome. But I saw this and I just thought about them. But it, it's this, it's a kind of a great nighttime prayer for your kids. And it re- affirms and establishes a healthy image of God. And it's called the nighttime blessing of the gospel. The nighttime blessing of the gospel. And kind of an interesting name. But it's a series of questions that you as a parent can ask to your kids at night and then the kid just replies. And so it goes something like this. Basically, the parent gets down beside the bed, the kid's in bed, he's all tucked in nice and cozy, and the parent says, do you see my eyes? And the child will say, yes. Can I, can I see your eyes? And the child will say, yes. Do you know that I love you? So now they're eye to eye. Do you know that I love you? Yes. Do you know that I love you no matter what good things you do? Yes. Yes, Daddy. Do you know that I love you no matter what bad things you do? Yes, Daddy. Yes, I do. Who else loves you like that? And hopefully they reply, God. That's right. Even more than me? Yes. And then the parent will say, rest in that love. Rest in that love. See, this is so cool. And so this parent tells a story about doing that. And the parent had two kids. One was like eight or nine and one was like four. So she goes, the parent goes to her, her eight-year-old and goes through this whole process, you know, going through the different questions. And she gets to the one question, who else loves you like that? And the eight-year-old daughter says, oh, God, right? God. Yes, honey. Good job, you know. And so it worked out. And so then the mother goes to her four-year-old son, goes through the whole process and gets to the, you know, kind of the big culminating question. Son, who else loves you like that? And the four-year-old replies, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. And so anyway, it's Christmas time. The kid was fixated on, on that whole thing apparently. And so, but more importantly, I wanted you to see that your answer, who else loves you like that? Your answer to that question is very revealing. And if you asked yourself, or if God was asking you as a parent when you went to bed tonight, you know, who else loves you like that? Uh, what would you say? What would, you, how would, what would your response be? Uh, it, it might be that you need some healing in your image of God. And my responsibility is first to help you kind of 
you know, become a follower of Christ and, and first to know him and then later I want to announce him, but you got to see him right first too. And so what God, what is God like? Who is he like? He's like Jesus. And when that re relationship is established correctly and your image of God is healed, here's what happens. Then you are invited, you are able to delight in his will. And when you delight in his will, listen, you can better discern God's ways. I want to pray for you right wherever you are. Because I believe in 2021, God wants to help you know his ways this year. He wants to reveal to you his perfect personal plan for your life. That's his plan. That's what he wants to do for you. And you're going to have a lot of big decisions to make this year, but he wants you to delight. He wants you to delight in his word. And you might need some healing of your image of God, but I can tell you how it gets healed first and foremost. It gets healed by an introduction to who Jesus really is. Now, I've already said who he is. He's, he's the son of God and he loves you and he's forgiving and he's redeeming and he's merciful and he's caring and he's pursuing. He is in disciplined pursuit of you, even when you are not in disciplined pursuit of him. So if you're there, wherever you are listening, I just want you to tune in for a second, lean in. This decision can change the course and trajectory, not of just 2021, but eternity for your life. And so if you've never done this before, would you pray with me? And if you're listening, you know, you can reply right in the chat there and raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm praying this prayer right now. And just say this with me. As you raise your hand in the chat, say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I invite you of my own free will to be Savior and Lord of my life. Lord, I want to see you as you really are. Give me an image, a picture, a view of who you really are through your Son as I invite him into my life. Now, Father God, for every person who just prayed that prayer, I pray that you would open their spiritual eyes to see who God is and how much he loves them. Lord, come inside them right now because they, by grace through faith, invited you into their life, Lord, and may they be a new creation in Christ Jesus. May they be what John 3 talks about when Jesus and Nicodemus spoke. May they be born again today in Jesus' name. Not of water, but of spirit, and they are a new person from this day forth. Father, I pray that every person that has a faulty or broken image of God. I pray for those people there as well, that you would heal that, that you would heal that picture because then they can better delight in the will of God because they trust that God's will for them is good. And when they delight in it, they can discern it and they can see and discover the path, the plan, the ways of God for their life. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. Thank you for every person who made that decision. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, if you just made that decision, I want to encourage you. There's a little thing that'll come up right now. And it's, I want you to text CC saved to 97,000. If you just made that decision, hey, we want to send you a book that's going to help you on your spiritual journey, like kind of like a roadmap, kind of like a road atlas. It's called What's Next. So this was the first and most important decision you made, but we want to help you with the next decisions that you are to make. I hope you continue to join us online or in person at one of our city groups in the coming weeks. Don't miss an opportunity to pray and fast with us. If you want to have a great year, uh, this year your best year, make it your best year spiritually. What you just did was your best start. I love you. As your pastor, I'm praying for you, and I can't wait to see you in the near future. God bless.